Welcome to the Parent University Podcast. Parent University is a monthly training seminar for parents of teenagers here at Perimeter Church. It is our desire to come alongside families by equipping them to lead their children in a biblical, God-honoring way. We hope you enjoy the following talk. Today we're going to be talking about basically community. We're ending our series. We've done a series all spring on communication breakdown, right? And we've We've done two weeks on communicating with your teen, which is always fun uh, and challenging at times. We did the f- one week on communicating with yourself. Like, how do you really uh, think about what the barriers are that you have in communication? Okay, that was the, how we kind of came right out of the gate uh, in talking about that. So we've done communicating with yourself, communicating with your teenager, and then we did communicating with your spouse is one of the weeks that we did as well, because that can be a challenge for all of us. And today we're kind of finishing that up with communicating with other parents, and really the focus is on building a support system. How can you and I build a support system that is going to serve us as we parent our kids? And uh, that's a difficult thing. And I think about, I don't know if you if you guys like art, but I Norman Rockwell paintings, I think, are just amazingly cool. The way that he captures, if you've, if you've seen a Norman Rockwell painting, he captures this period of America, right? Americana. I, I wish I had a picture up. I didn't, I didn't tell Mark about that. It would have been great. Came up with this illustration this morning. Um, but the Norman Rockwell paintings, I love when you see them, they, they capture an idealized version, right, of America in uh, the early part of the, the 20th century. And the, the way he captures the faces and all these things. And I think of, when I think of community, I think of a Norman Rockwell painting, right? Like there's a part of us that wants to live in a, a parish community, a neighborhood where you know all the parents on your block, all your kids play together, you're in deep community with each other, you trust each other, you trust each other's kids, and it's just a blast, right? And all the kids are out playing t-ball or kick the can in your cul-de-sac, right? And then there's a part of me anyway, I don't know if you feel that way, but there's a part of me that desires that kind of community. Cammie actually had that growing up in her, she grew up in Nebraska, and for a period of time, until her parents got divorced, she actually experienced that kind of neighborhood back in the, in the 70s. And so she, you know, talks about that still as an amazing memory that she has. And I don't know if that, some of you may have a neighborhood like that, or you may have community like that. But I think that's disappearing for a lot of us. Uh, If you're like me, my household, it can be very much you drive home. In fact, we kind of joke about we've we've got some neighbors who live across the street from us. And this tells you a lot about me that's not necessarily good. But we have some neighbors live across the street that I don't know. And I've lived in my house seven years, and they live right across the street from me. And we call them the Americans, you know, because they could be spies or they could, they could be running a, a, you know, a meth lab out of their house or something. I have no idea. They just, but they come home at weird hours, drive into their, you know, the, the garage door comes down. They're never out in their yard. They're never, they don't have kids so that you just don't, I don't know. I have no idea what's going on there. You know, they could be Mormon. It could be six wives living in there. I have no idea. But it's, it's. But that tells you we don't live that kind of American dream and that kind of community 
And so we have to work harder as parents to find people that come around us, okay? And that's really kind of where we're, where we're going uh, this morning. So let me pray, and then we'll just kind of jump into our text. We're going we're gonna to read from Ecclesiastes today. Um, actually, let me read the text, and then I'll pray. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 7. And uh, if you are not familiar with Ecclesiastes, it's one of my favorite. Um, it's definitely a fantastic book of the Bible. I recommend it. It can be kind of depressing, but what, what the whole book of Ecclesiastes is, is it's the wisdom of Solomon, and Solomon uh, is basically, these are the things that he has learned, and he has been studying life, he calls it under the sun. And really what Solomon talks about, if you, if you have this idea, he, is, he recognizes the fall, the fall of man, and that's what he's picking up on. Solomon sees that the world is broken. And so he makes these statements constantly through the book saying, vanity, I'm reading from the, uh, the ESV, okay, but it's vanity, vanity. Other translations might say it's all a chasing after the wind or worthless, okay? And he's seeing this great evil that he sees under the sun all the time, over and over again. And that's kind of where he's going with that. So Ecclesiastes 4, verse 7, he says, again, I saw a vanity under the sun. So this is a, an evil, a chasing after the wind, a worthlessness. One person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with the riches, so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold threefold cord is not quickly broken. All right, let me pray, and then we'll kind of apply this to parenting. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for Solomon. Lord, he was the wisest man. Uh, to live according to your, your word and scripture, and he sees these things that ought not be, these evils that are under the sun, and we pray that you would speak to us uh, through your word and by your spirit, that we would develop a community, uh, a support system around us as parents, because we need, we need that, Lord. We need help in this struggle of life under the sun. All this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so as we jump in here, uh, right out of the gate, and we're just going to kind of go through this text, the first thing he says is, going alone is not good. Being alone. Now, th- this is concerning toil, but I'm, I'm proposing that the principles that are happening in here, he's talking about work, right? If you work and work and you're just all alone, what are you working for? You don't have kids to pass it on to. You don't have that. But I want to take the principles that are, that are happening in here, and I think the principles apply really, to more than work. And we're going to apply those principles today to parenting. All right, so one person who has no other, either, either son or brother, and there is no end to his toil. So he, he's definitely saying that, that being alone in life, in your toil, and parenting can be toil at times, for sure, is a great evil. Parenting in a vacuum is bad. That's, what I, that's kind of point number one. Parenting in a vacuum is bad. If you are parenting 
and, I, and I'm parenting, and no one knows how I'm parenting or what I'm doing, or, and I don't check any of what I'm doing with anybody else, that can be a dangerous place. Because how do I know what's normal, right? That can be an issue. Um, one of the things that can happen is you can think you're, what you're experiencing is normal when it's not, right? You can think, oh, the way, oh, my child's doing this, and that, that's normal, and, but if you really talk to other parents who are in the same life stage as you with the same things going on, you may find out that what you're experiencing is not normal at all. You know, if you say, well, my, you know, my son spends two hours as a 10-year-old on his iPad at night right before he goes to bed. You might say, that's normal. Who doesn't do that? And then you start talking to other parents, and they're like, no, no, we don't do that. Um, that's probably not a good idea. But you don't know if, you, if you're just doing this alone, if you're on your own in this. Maybe... You know, and you're going to hear from your kids, right? Especially the teen years. Well, mom, everybody's going to this party, the all-night party after prom. Well, is everybody really doing that? Are you, are you in community with enough parents to know if that's normal or not? Everybody has an iPhone. I hear that. I mean, I, my son is like sixth grade, iTouch. I'm the only one that doesn't have an iTouch. That might be true. I don't know, but I need to probably check around before I run and buy him one, Right? He might be the, maybe his best friend has one, and so that's everyone. I don't know. So it's good to know what is going on in your community uh, when you're in this situation. Um, the other thing that can happen is you can think what you're going through is abnormal when it's not. Okay? For example, you, when you, if you go to private Christian school or public school, I'm sorry, private Christian school or homeschool, for example, in junior high, and maybe you've done it all the way from elementary school, a combination of that or one of those, and then you suddenly decide to put your child in public school their freshman year, they're going to have a hard time, more than likely, adjusting to high school. If they go to PCS or another Christian school all the way up to eighth grade and then they go into public high school, it could be a very challenging transition. That would be normal. But if when you're experiencing it in your home, you might think the wheels have come off the bus. This is the most crazy, horrible experience. But if you would talk to all the other parents of kids in the same grade, a lot of them are experiencing the very same thing that you're experiencing. For example, okay? That could be a normal thing. And you, you then know how to, how to deal with that to some degree. You still have to make the, the same choices in your home. But at least you know, hey, this is normal, what's going on here? And likewise, if your kid has a super easy transition, just boop, you know, right in, that would be, I would say that's abnormal for that scenario. That You've done a fantastic job, maybe, of helping them, or maybe your kids just has this, the way they're wired, it was easy for them to transition, okay? But that can be one of those things. So knowing what's going on when, you're, uh, when you are in community, you can find out what's normal and what's abnormal, and that can help you with your parenting choices. Uh, the next thing that Solomon says is there is no end to all his toil. There's no end. Parenting is a 24-hour job. And we do understand this when our kids are little, right, because they get up in the middle of the night and they bother us and, and we have to feed them and all these things. Um, in fact, Mark Gaines our, on our staff just had a baby like last week. Well, he didn't. His wife did. But uh, that would be really amazing if you had a baby. But last week, his wife had a baby, and I asked him, you know, he got like three hours of sleep last night. And that's, 
That's just the way it goes. But now I'm learning as a parent of a teenager, sometimes I get three hours of sleep. And that I wasn't expecting. <laughs> you know, that's a little more unusual uh, to, to, to have that kind of thing happen. Uh, you know, we have late night and early morning interactions that exasperate us. And sometimes we're at our least, uh, we're at, I'm at my most tired, my most vulnerable. And that's when my son or daughter want to talk or when the breakdown happens, right? Or we'd have, you know, you're trying to rush off to, to work and then something blows up at breakfast and you're just like, oh gosh, right now this is when this is happening. But that's, it seems to always happen at the, at the worst time. I've even got friends who I know who have their kids have all gone off to college and they're empty nesters and they're telling me that that stage is even harder. And I'm saying, don't tell me that. I don't want to know that going to be an empty nester is more difficult Uh, But it presents even all new challenges that are even more different and more crazy than the ones that we're experiencing now. So, and and part of the thing that happens there is when they go off to school, is that cell phone is is a new thing in our culture, right? I mean, Cammie and I were talking about this just the other day. You realize just 10 years ago, the iPhone, I think, was not really in existence, Okay. Ten years ago, think how much the iPhone has changed our lives, smartphones. I mean, I had the Palm Pilot. Like, I think I had one of those with the little stylus thing, and it could do certain things. Or that's when you had a phone and a Palm Pilot, right? It wasn't, and then I remember they came out with the Palm Phone, and you're like, whoa, you know, this is, and, then, and now the way we're connected and the way we're connected to our kids is insane. I mean, really, what, one of the trends that's happening with the college years, and one reason it's so difficult on parents is back in the day when you and I went to college, we left home and went to college and had to make decisions every day on our own because if you called mom and dad, it was long distance, and it was expensive. And you had to go to a payphone, you know, or call collect or whatever. Nobody has to do that anymore. Your son or daughter can rely on you to make their decisions long into their 30s if, we, if you let them do that. Okay, keep that in mind. If you don't force them start making their own decisions, they're going to let you make their decisions for a long time, and you're going to build this. And, and that's a double-edged sword because you want to be your kid's chief advisor, right? You want to. And so how do you balance that with saying, I'm their chief advisor, which is awesome if, if they'll talk to you and want you to speak into their lives, right? We like that. But there is a balance there, right? I mean, some of you are thinking, man, I wish my kid would let me speak into anything. That, you know, we might be there. That's a whole different place, Okay. Some of us, yeah, you have a great relationship with your kids, and they, they'll continue to let you run their lives long into college. And that's happening a lot. Uh, we've talked about that in here, you know, parents calling college professors and saying, hey, why, are you, why, are you, why did you give my kid this grade? That kind of thing is still happening, which is pretty crazy. Um, so just keep in mind, parenting is a 24-hour job. It never ends. I don't think it's going to end when they leave home. Now, the next thing Solomon says is we lose perspective. Um, When you get at the end of verse 8, he says, for whom am I toiling? Okay, that's the question that the person who's alone asks. Okay, for who am I toiling? I think we can lose perspective in parenting and what is our goal and why are we doing it? Okay, that's easy for us to do, especially if we're going it alone. That can be very easy. So for whom am I? Am I toiling? I lose my perspective. I get distracted. And that's one of the things, the reason that I have such a heart for Parent You is I see this happen all the time because I have that unique perspective of just hanging out with your kids, right? 
is I see parents who are not thinking about mature, equipped, independent child. That's the goal, right? I want a child who can live on their own, who's independent, and who's, who, who knows what's important in life, who understands, you know, who has a relationship with the Lord, who knows how to pursue him. That's the goal. And we get distracted very easily from that goal. And I, even as I was writing this lesson, I talked to my wife again this week and said, I'm, lo- I'm losing this. Even I can just, because I, I was thinking about Tirza, my sophomore, thinking, okay, am I really forcing the issue on some of these areas to make her be independent? Or am I continuing to let her be dependent on me? And I have to remind myself, because we get distracted by things like peace in the home, right? I want a peaceful house. And sometimes a peaceful house distracts me from equipping my daughter to be independent. Because if I equip her, to, if I force her to be independent, sometimes it's less peaceful for me. And I don't like that. I get distracted by my own success. Um, my own kids' success, I'm sorry. My own kids' success. Do my kids, I may want academic success, athletic success, extracurricular success. And I let that distract me from the ultimate goal. Let me give you an example. Last, yesterday we were at the uh, dance. There was a big dance recital here. My, my uh, Lexi, my eight-year-old, does dance. And I see, and I know lots of these students, and they're now seniors, and they're, some of these girls are in my uh, watershed in, in our youth ministry, and they're awesome. So I'm not, I'm not talking about anybody in particular. I just want to point out that if my daughter stays in ballet the rest of the time, and she is the best ballerina, like when she's a senior, she just rocks it, Okay. If she rocks it at ballet, but she can't balance a checkbook, and she has no idea how to study, and she can't make decisions, then I've lost my way somewhere. Do you see what I mean? And yet, that's easy to do. It's easy to say, well, wow, look, she loves ballet. This thing's going well. I value that, right? There's nothing wrong with ballet. But if we let the 10 or 12 hours a week, by the time you're a senior, of ballet become our sole focus and we ignore the other things of equipping our child, we've lost something, okay? And you can do that with anything, right? You can do it with sports. You can do it with academics and just push them, hey, straight A's. It's all about straight A's. Okay, well, if they're, if they're, we've all met people, right, who we say are academically smart but have no common sense, right? Have you ever seen that kind of person or worked for that kind of person or worked with that kind of person or hired that kind of person where you're like, wow, this person's really smart, but common sense-wise... There's just nothing going on there. we got to think about that. Um, I can get distracted by living out my dreams through my kids, right? And that definitely with the, uh, some of these things I've already mentioned, you know, maybe I didn't have this and I want my kids to have that or, and I want to live my dreams out through them and that distracts me. I can get distracted by wanting them to be like me. And that can be a parenting thing where, uh, okay, but my kids are hardwired completely different from me, and the experience that I had growing up, they're not going to have. And so I think, okay, maybe I'm I'm saying you're not enough like me, and I can push and push and push that. And where the Bible says, you know, train up a child in the way he should go, right? The way they're wired, we need to push them along their own wiring into uh, the way God created them. And the last thing, and there's even more than these. These are just the ones that I thought of. We can get distracted by appearance. So often we want 
everybody outside of our family system to think that we have it all together. And that can distract us. You know, we can parent in order to make everything look good. Instead of going to our neighbors and our friends for help and say, actually, we're just a, we're a hot mess, and <laughs> why don't you enter into that with me? <laughs> and, and I'll enter into your hot mess. That's what, that's what I'm proposing, right? And let's, but let's, let's raise kids that are mature and equipped. Um, the question I want to ask is, is this crazy busy lifestyle that you and I are now chasing, is it achieving the goal of our child, our kids becoming mature and equipped and independent? Is what we're doing going to achieve that outcome? And that's a question we should ask ourselves on a regular basis. Does playing 200 baseball games a year achieve that? I've talked to parents who, I've had kids brag to me because they're in that, what is it, East Cobb baseball thing, and you might be, and there's no judgment here. If you like baseball, personally, I find it boring. But if you like baseball, but when a kid comes to me at youth group and he's like, yeah, I played 200 baseball games last year, he's bragging. And I'm thinking, again, like I said, you might be a great baseball player, but what is that equipping you for life? Is that going to achieve what we're talking about? Um, what do they pay for themselves? This is the one I've been coming up with. What, what, what do they pay for that we don't provide? What do they get out of their own jams? You know, when they, when they mess up at work or school, do we go bail them out or do we force them to deal with it? You know, these are the things that are going to build character and equipping. Do they have freedom to fail and know that you still love them? That's the one I'm working on right now. You know, can my daughter fail and I live with grace? And how do I balance the grace with the, with the I need to instruct her and I need to equip her, and yet, you know, she's going to mess up and I mess up. Um, moving on. He says, two are better than one because, and now he starts going into why. They have a good reward for their toil. Okay, that's where he starts out. They have a good reward for their toil, verse 9. When you and I parent together with other groups, there is an interaction and a good reward, and that's because we can interact with each other on our parenting styles. We can say, hey, I reacted this way. Can you give me some perspective? Am I crazy, or did I handle that appropriately? Right? And sometimes they might go, well, I don't know. I think you might need to go back and apologize. Or no, you weren't near hard enough on her. You're just letting them run over you. Right? I mean, either one of those could be what we get from somebody else if we let them in. And we might need to hear that. We will get better ideas uh, if we're interacting with others. Uh, and, and, and some of this, depending on your level of relationship, you can even, like, Cammie and I have a unique relationship with our neighbors, the Drakes. Okay? They... They live next door to us, and it's kind of a, almost a little too freaky for a lot of people. But they actually moved here. We bought houses next to each other on purpose so that we could live in deep community, okay? And this is the second time we've done that. So we've been neighbors for 10 years, okay, which is a lot of community. Like many times I wake up, come downstairs on a Saturday morning, and there's like not only my four kids, but there's four other kids in my living room. You know, and I'm in my pajamas with the hair, like, you know, and, and you just have to be like, okay. I mean, that, and you may not be ready for that level of community yet. But one of the things that happens there is I have other parents. It's like four parents. It's tag team parenting, right? They can speak into my kids' lives directly, you know, because they have some authority there. I can speak into their kids' lives directly. I can say, hey, I'm seeing this in your son or daughter that they might have a blind spot to, right? And they can see that in my kids. And it's, it's, 
this is a good thing when we develop this kind of relationship. It's great <clears throat> to have another set of eyes, right? You want somebody saying, hey, I saw your son's car at this party, you know, when I was driving through the neighborhood, and you might be like, oh, well, he said he was spending the night across town somewhere else, but, you know, have you ever seen that happen? That, that happens, right? We have eyes to watch out for each other and each other's kids. Having another set of eyes is great. Uh, it's great to bounce ideas off of, to take advice from. Um, you can even, we even learn from each other's mistakes, right? They watch me do something and I blow it in an area, they can avoid that mistake, right? You can learn from even the negative aspects of your friend's parenting. Uh, that, that can work, okay? So we do that. So he says we have a good reward, but then he also says you have help in a crisis. He says if, if someone falls, woe is, woe is he who has no one to help him up. We need each other when life hits the fan, right? When it gets hard, we need one another, and we need someone to help us up. Romans 12 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Sometimes we just need somebody to cry with us even, right? If there's something that's really hard that's going on in your life, it, it's comforting just to have someone come around you in the hard times, but also in the celebrating, right? We want that. We need that together uh, to cry and to celebrate. Um, now, he, he then talks about someone can lie down with somebody. He says, woe, to, woe is him who lies down and you're cold, right? If you're, if you're going to sleep and you're cold, but if you, two people can stay warm, but if you're alone, you're just, you're just cold, right? And there's two different aspects of that, really. You have a comfort aspect. It, when you, obviously, when you sleep next to your spouse, it's warm. It's, it's, um, some of you might have that need that distance thing, you know, I don't know. But, uh, you know, it's my son, Zane, he constantly is trying to come crawl in bed with us because he'd rather sleep with us because it's warm and snuggly. He doesn't want to be all alone, you know, and we're constantly having to be like, no, no, or you can get in bed at like seven, but no. Uh, but he wants that. He wants that comfort, and we need that comfort. It's comforting to be in a group with other, with other parents and other friends. There was a, a group of, of families that have been in our youth ministry for years, and, and there are three families, and they vacationed together at spring break and rent a, giant, rent a giant house and stay together. And they all have all these kids running around. I mean, and it's just, it's crazy. But I went down there at Spring Brink one time and visited them, and I was jealous of the community that they had. You know, three couples staying in one house with like 12 kids and just having a blast. And they were intentional, though, about building that kind of community. And they could speak into each other's lives, and they supported each other. They really had the comfort that this is talking about. And they were there... Uh, when things got hard. You know, sleeping together and staying warm is also preventative. When you're in deep relationship with other parents, you can call on them and they can help you when you need it, right? They're already there to give you that support. And then lastly, he ends up with facing an adversary um, that you and I are going to face adversaries in life. And it, this might be a school situation, a friendship problem, uh, cancer, drug addiction, rebellion, all kinds of problems that we're going to face as parents. And having that other set of parents that you can call, that you can visit with, that you can vent to is important, that you can get perspective on, and most of all, that you can get prayer support with, right? Instead of us trying to, hey, let's have a good view of our life and we got it all together, if we would approach our relationships with other parents and say, actually, we are a mess, but can you pray for my mess? 
and get prayer partners and praying for each other, that's the kind of community that God calls us to live in, right? He calls us to live in this kind of community and pray for one another. So in closing here, how do you find these people? All right, even if you agree, okay, this is a good idea. I need these other people. How do you find them? Um, Parent U is a great place. It's one reason why we have that. We try to sit you guys in parish uh, just because, hey, you might be at the same high school, so you're going to see them at track events or, or drama events, and so you can start, and, and they all know the same teachers, and some of the same friends might overlap. And so that's why we put you in that is because we want you to build community with other people at your schools. Uh, the connect groups is a, an area where you can find community, right? That church has been pushing the connect groups recently, and I think a lot of those have been a success, some, some not so much, but you can keep trying different connect groups until you connect with a group of people that, uh, that it really gels with you. Um, again, you're around other parents at baseball games, recitals, plays. Can you make that connection more than just cordial or the, more than just logistical, right? Like sometimes you carpool to a basketball game or a track meet or something with somebody, and you have an opportunity to build a relationship there. Can, how can you and I be intentional about taking that relationship a step deeper than just convenience? Um, schools, if you're in PCS, they have those parent meetings, like a bajillion of them, and they can be annoying, but you also really get to pray with and meet all these other parents who are going through the same thing you are in the same stage. That can be a great thing. Um, in your neighborhood, maybe you have a neighbor who's done that. We just had somebody move in next to us on our right side. Uh, the Drakes live on the left, now a new neighbor on the right. And I invited them over to dinner tonight. And I'm trying to be intentional to say, can I do better than I've done with the Americans across the street, right? Can I, can I say, hey, I don't know you, but I'm going to start out right out of the gate. You just moved in. Let's, let's have a cookout and let's get to know each other because maybe... They could be some of these friends for us. Um, you know, there are barriers to this, and I don't want to downplay those. You both need to connect with both of them. Now, it doesn't have to be. Some of these relationships, right, some of you ladies have great girlfriends that you can call in a heartbeat, and some of you guys, guys tend to be more isolated. You, you may have a harder time. But if you find a couple that you both like, like both of you like both of them, that's a good place to start to say, maybe we ought to have them over for dinner <laughs> and be intentional about saying, hey, let's, let's create a, a bond here and let's, let's go through this together. Um, you're going to have to be intentional. You're going to have to reach out. You're going to have to reciprocate. And I hate to say this, but you're going to have to pursue them. One thing Cammie and I have discovered is a lot of people our age have no idea how to be in relationship with other couples. And so we may pursue them, and then they don't reciprocate. And you got to pursue again, and they may not reciprocate. And I'm not saying you just go, you know, five times you have them over, and if they never reciprocate, you keep going. Maybe it's time to switch then. But you do, you will have to pursue them probably more than once because we're so stinking busy that people get just caught up in the, in the, the whirlwind of life. And if you can get into that relationship enough to say, hey, we need each other, and let's do this together. Uh, Bill Hywells has this amazing quote. He says, he described a small group of men that he was with as living life deeply together. And I think that's a great way to look at this. Do you have another couple, one or more, that you live life deeply with? And that can be a fantastic uh, place for you, especially as we're going through 
the teen years. Um, last thing is make sure the goal, though, because this is, a, this is a pitfall here, is as you come together, your whole purpose is to point each other to Christ. Because what's tempting is to plug into each other. There's a counseling term called being enmeshed, right, or codependent. We don't want to build these relationships just so you and I then become codependent on this couple, right, and, and run to them every time instead of running to Jesus. The whole point is to develop these relationships with other couples that point you to Jesus when things get hard, right? So let's keep that in mind. That's our goal in parenting, right? Not to solve our kids' problems, but point them to Jesus. That's our goal in relationships, is to point each other to Jesus. And lastly, and one of the main reasons we even brought this up as a topic is because Cammie and I have friends who are a little bit older, empty nesters, and they looked around and they don't have any friends. That's a danger. It's a danger. The teen years can be so busy and hectic that by the end of it, when you are finally an empty nester, you look at your spouse and you're like, okay, it's just us because all your other relationships have fallen by the wayside because you spent it so intense on your kids. And I don't want that to happen to me. And I don't want that to happen to you. We want to look around, and when our kids all are leaving the, the nest, we look around and go, awesome, now I have more time to spend <laughs> with these friends that I have. You know, that, that's a goal. Um, let me pray, and then Cammie's going to come up. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, community. And Lord, we need it. We need other people uh, because you have said in your word that it's not good to be alone. And um, Lord, I just pray that you would be with us. Help us to make connections with at least one other couple that we can rely on and lean on. Help us to be intentional and to pursue these relationships. All this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Hello, hello, hello. There. Yay, thanks. Yeah, I think um, community is hard. It's hard because I don't like to be vulnerable. It's easy for me to be vulnerable up here, I'll be honest with you. It's easy for me to get up here and tell you how I'm blowing it. Um, There feels like this safe thing um, to do it up here. And sometimes in those relationships where it's one-on-one, it's it's harder to be vulnerable because you want to, I want to have the answers. I want to, um, I was a teacher in another life and, and I want to have the answer book. I don't want to be the one with the questions. And so I think that's the danger. Um, but I know in relationships in the, that those relationships that have challenged my tendency to that have really been opportunities to grow. And so I just want to encourage you and ditto whatever Jeff said. Um, so this morning, I wanted, this is our last time to get to meet until the fall, and, um, and I wanted to share one last time um, kind of what's going on in my own heart and hopefully encourage you. Um, yesterday, there were many tears at our house. I don't know if it's the weather or if it was hormonal or if it was the crazy end of the school year, but... Um, I think that May, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, is a crazy time for parents. Are you guys all, like, running a thousand different directions at once? Like, I think it's as crazy as Christmas. Um, this past week, we had a kindergarten field trip, which I forgot the lunch and the car seat for. Um, we had recital rehearsals and a recital for ballet. We had, I have to look at my list because there were so many things. We had a meeting for a class trip, 
a parent meeting in a different class. We had rehearsals for a variety show, a chapel, the last discipleship and rush for watershed, the last bricks, a birthday party, SAT, and last night they had the event to to for awareness of homelessness over in the the um, outside of the church. Oh, and then one night I did lock my keys in my car. So it was just a crazy week <laughs> that we ended with lots of tears. Um, May is hard. Uh, there's too many things to remember, too much to do, and I always feel like I'm forgetting something really important. One year I forgot a friend's birthday party. I RSVP'd I would be there, and I didn't show up. And I not only didn't show up, but I completely forgot. And the next time I saw her, and she was like, hey, you forgot the birthday. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I just totally I just lost it. I just lost it. And that was just one of many times. I just drop those balls and I lose them because, May, there's just so much to, to balance. And it's funny to me that it's in the month of May that we have Mother's Day. Yeah, dads, that's next Sunday. In case you were wondering, plan ahead, think ahead. Um, <laughs> it is. It's almost like a joke to me that Mother's Day is in the month of May. Here, have the best mom in the world coffee cup because we all know you're really failing. <laughs> That's the way I feel sometimes. Like last year, I don't remember what Jeff and the kids did. I'm sure they honored me. I'm sure they did something really sweet. It's just I didn't feel worthy of honor. Have you guys ever felt that way? Like it just didn't resonate with me. And so at the end of the day, well, even before that, I guess I guess it had been because it was a typical May, and I dropped a lot of balls, and I began comparing myself to everyone else's moms. Do you guys ever do that? You know, the one that has the pearls and the high heels at breakfast and makes, gets up early and makes everybody breakfast, and her house is perfect and immaculate, and even though you're changing seasons of your closet, and my bedroom looks like every closet in the house vomited into my bedroom because I've got, I've got the spring clothes and the fall clothes and the winter clothes, and I have the clothes that are too small, and I have the clothes that are too, that need to be passed down and packed away, and I started all this when the season started to change, except it never totally changed, as you can see by my wrap, because I'm freezing. So, like, all of these piles in my bedroom that were organized and on purpose, a child came in and needed something, and so the piles were gone through, and now there's just absolute chaos. And I know that everyone else's mother doesn't have that, right? Because it's just me, and it's just my failure. Um, or at least that's what I tell myself. Or maybe that doesn't happen to you. But anyway, last Mother's Day, I was feeling the brunt of that and just feeling very, very down because I felt like I felt like I was a fake. I felt like shame, like I was failing at this job. And so when they did all of the Mother's Day stuff, I really felt like it highlighted my less than. And so, almost in desperation, on Mother's Day last year, I crawled into bed, and I pulled my Bible, and I opened to my reading program. And God is just so wise, because I just do this regular reading program that isn't 
dependent on how I feel because I think that's dangerous. So I was just doing the next thing on my list, and it was Matthew 14, and I'm going to read it to you. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowd and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces of leftovers. How many times had I read that story? A thousand. How many times have I taught that story to children? A thousand times. And yet in this moment of Mother's Day last year, when I read it, I could just almost feel the whispering of the Holy Spirit saying to me, bring me your little and I will make much. The needs of your family are too much for your meager resources. But I'm enough, and I can use you. But I'm the one that satisfies and makes leftovers. As I sat in bed reading those words, I cried because I realized that my failures were actually an opportunity to live my faith, to trust God, to meet the endless needs of my family, And to take my limited, less than, and too little to him and see a miracle. Well, when we were talking about my sharing today, I wanted to share that idea with you because I think we've all felt like the disciples, haven't we? The job was too big of parenting. There's too many needs. There's too much to do. And I wanted to tell you, One of the prayers that I've had this past year has been, God, take my little and make much. Take my little and make much. My little energy, my little strength, my little wisdom, my little, and make something big. So I was going to share that with you guys today until yesterday. And yesterday, there were many tears at my house. And in a deep conversation with Tirza, I realized that as hard as May is for us as parents, it's equally hard for our teens. They have finals and prom and end-of-the-year events and end-of-the-year tests and end-of-the-year projects and performances. And all those things wear them out too. They often feel less than and tired and overwhelmed and stressed. Maybe the truth is they're mirroring us a bit, but I almost missed the opportunity to connect with her in our common weakness. I entered into the conversation on my high horse, ready to affirm all her feelings of failure. And it was like somewhere in the middle of it, the Lord opened my ears and I was able to see that we were the same. And we were struggling with the same sense of failure. And I got to tell her that God could take her little and make much. 
she needs to know that I struggle too and that I feel like she does, and she needs to hear me pray for her. And so yesterday, God took our tears, and he made something beautiful. Why am I so surprised by that? He is the Redeemer. He's in the business of transforming. He can take our weakness and make us strong, our exhaustion, and give us energy, our stress, and give us peace. And so that's my encouragement to you, but also I want to challenge you to encourage your team, because I would bet my daughter is not alone, and often I think it's easy for me as a mom to treat the symptoms and not the heart of what's going on in her, and so I just wanted to kind of share that with you. Um, I want to pray with y'all, and then I want to um, have some announcements. Dear God, I thank you that you take our little and you can make much out of it. And I pray for each parent here who is struggling with meager resources, with a lack of energy, with a lack of time, with a lack of wisdom. Often, Lord, we look at our teens and we just don't know how to respond. And so, Lord, we need you. We need you to redeem our conversations. We need you to transform our interactions. And we need you to use us in the lives of our teens to point them to you. Because what they really need, Lord, is not better grades or a cleaner room, but they need to know you. And so when they're failing, help us to take a time out and to focus ourselves on you and help us to be able to shepherd their hearts to the cross. And so I pray that today for each of us. Be glorified. Amen. Okay. Um, I wanted to remind y'all about our Facebook page um, and blogging. We have not been great at blogging this month. Even though Suzanne, who's amazing, she helps us with the media and she helps put everything on and she's wonderful. But Jeff and I have been a little busy. And so one of the things we haven't gotten to as often as we like is that. But I still want to encourage you guys to get on and enter our conversation. And you're welcome to put your thoughts or ideas on the site because we'd love to interact with you. You're not on. Only I get to talk. <laughs> Tammy's done a better job at, at blogging than I have, especially in the last month, so I apologize for that. But we'll, we'll work on that over the summer. Um, actually, Suzanne live tweeted some stuff, uh, some questions during Parent You today. So if you want to get on, and it's on the Facebook as well, right, Suzanne? Or is it? Yeah, it's on the Facebook group. So if you want to get on and look at that and interact with any of the things we've talked about today, I encourage you to do that, the Parent You Facebook group. Uh, we do have some other announcements um, that I want to hit real quick. The uh, one is we have, um, which one have you got up first? Yeah, a summer events. There's a whole, if you're in Watershed, if you've got a high school student, we've got a, all of our summer stuff is on a little postcard that's back there on the back table. And um, so be sure and get one of those. We have, what's next? What do you got? Goal Rush Conference. You can sign up now to attend Goal Rush. That's if you have a sixth grader through high school. This is our student-led conference. That's the second week of July. And it's, a, it's probably one of the best things that we do. And it's a signature event for our ministry. And it's really just 
it's, it's an amazing experience. And if you don't know anything about that, please, please consider signing up or talking to one of us about that. Next. That's it. Uh, there are some other cards on the back that are kind of big, uh, more detailed announcements than on the little card. One is uh, Suzanne's going to be doing a, a Bible study for girls in June. So girls, June nights, and there's a, there's a card back there as well. That's going to be at Brittany Ford's home from 7 to 9 on Wednesday nights in June. And then our guys, we, uh, I mean girls or guys can go to this, but we also have summer sports league. We've got a lot of our interns play sports. Like if you've got a student who's home kind of underfoot, a guy who just wants to get out of the house, Summer Sports League is a great thing. They go play Ultimate Frisbee and go to lunch. You know, it's just a good connection point for them. In And then I wanted to tell you, I've told you all before, but um, my study, Becoming a Soulmate, I'm going to be taking a group of women through this summer. And I'm praying that about 30 women will come. I've got a team of women that are going to help me. And it's called Becoming a Soulmate, and it's available in the bookstore. And if you're interested, it'll be Thursday nights from 7 to 9 and you can register on the website, perimeter.org, underneath the women's ministry, securing the knot. And it's not wisdom for wives. It's called becoming a soulmate. Um, it is wisdom for wives, but it's not that, that teaching class. If you've heard of wisdom for wives, this is different. Um, this is called becoming a soulmate. And so I would love to get to know you guys better and for you guys to come this summer on Thursday nights from 7 to 9. Anything else? Um, we also have lunch with the youth staff on Thursdays, uh, as far as that goes, with uh, called Lunch Bunch. So if your high school student wants to get out of the house again, we go eat at El Tanampa, which is across the street near the Publix on Thursdays at noon. So in June. Starts in June. Yep. That's a lot of announcements, a lot of stuff. Thank you guys for coming. You've been listening to the Parent University Podcast. Parent U is a part of the student ministries at Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit the student ministries website at www.perimeter.org students for more information. Thank you.